Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Closers Inner Circle Podcast, hosted by Denise Griffiths and Ben Gay III on Your Partner in Success Radio. Now, Ben joins me each Wednesday for the Closers Inner Circle Podcast as my co-host, and this is where we discuss sales mastery and, honestly, anything else that crosses our minds as we chat and study Ben's famous sales books, the closers. And today the question is, what is echo salesmanship? Sales legend Ben Gay III, I love to say that because you are a, a legend, Ben, explains on the Closers Inner Circle podcast, again, why am I repeating this? I guess because it's important to me. But we're opening up the Closers Part 2, page 135 to the Grand Canyon response which begs the question, what is echo salesmanship? So here's my response to that. And he can correct me if he needs to. An echo salesmanship response involves mirroring or repeating keywords or phrases that the potential customer has used during a sales conversation. It's a technique aimed at building rapport and making the customer feel heard and understood. And by echoing their words, you are showing that you're actively listening and that you comprehend their needs and their concerns. For an example, if a customer says, I'm looking for a reliable and efficient solution, let's say for a website, an echo salesmanship response could be, so you're really focused on finding a solution that's not only reliable, but is also highly efficient and it works for you. Is that correct? And this repetition helps reinforce the customer's priorities and can create a more engaging and personalized interaction. The key, according to the book, is to use this technique naturally and not make it seem forced or robotic. It's about demonstrating empathy, and that's an important word. We use it a lot here. It's about demonstrating empathy and building a connection by reflecting the customer's language and sentiments. And according to Ben, mastering this sales technique can be daunting, but it is very helpful during the sales process for you and the customer or prospect. Good morning, Ben. It's Wednesday. I missed having you here last week. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. As will become evident while we're talking, uh, I've been fighting a little COVID thing. I'm now on day 15 getting better by the minute, <clears throat> but the throat and a little coughing seems to be the last to go. Uh, and anyone who's had COVID, you understand what I've been through <laughs> and you have my sympathy and empathy. I'll tell you, it is something. I don't get sick. I don't, I get a flu shot every year, but I don't think I've ever had the flu since I was a 
10-year-old boy or something. And uh, I don't get colds. I have a little constant hay fever, but I was born with that and I've adapted. And uh, But this COVID thing <clears throat> is an attention getter. Uh, zero energy, and I mean zero. Um, spent the better part of two weeks, 10 days anyway, in bed or wishing I was there. And uh, then the coughing and the wheezing and so on. And I told you, I promised you a few days ago, I'd be ready to go. So I'm going to go no matter what. <clears throat> but I apologize in advance for any throat clearing you hear or where the phone goes uh, mute for a minute while I'm coughing. <laughs> but uh, by and large, the worst is behind us. And gee, I'm talking about me. Gigi had it too. Oh, no. So, so the, the, uh, the trick I've discovered is you should never both be seriously ill at the same time because we each depend on the other one to, uh, you know, do things for us. And the truth is you're lying in bed and I thought to myself, I probably dare ask her if she needs anything, but I'm afraid she does. Oh. <laughs> and I don't want to hear it. You know, she hears this podcast just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay oh. for it. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that she had been ill too, but I knew you had been. And I'm like you, I don't get sick. I never get sick. I haven't had cold or flu and oh, geez, a decade or better. But I just don't get sick. Now, saying that, I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on the top of my head. The last time I got ill, it was two Thanksgivings ago, and I woke up two or three days before Thanksgiving. My arm hurt so bad that I was honestly laying in bed wondering, I wonder if I can cut it off and not notice it. I mean, it hurt that bad. I was ready to amputate. Yeah, how much do I use, really? <laughs> yeah, and I'm ambidextrous, but this is my left arm. I think I can manage. <laughs> I mean, I was really having a talk with myself. Why was your arm hurting? I don't well, understand that. I didn't understand either, and I don't have a doctor. I don't go to the doctors. I'm, you know, I'm healthy. And I finally did what I always do, and then couple nights later, I turned it over to my subconscious review just as I was going to sleep. And I said, listen, I don't know what this is. And I guess I'm going to have to go to the doctor, but I don't even know what to ask about. 318 in the morning, I always get an answer and it said shingles. I went, shit. So oh, no. Language. And it was shingles and it was, oh my God, awful. That's some of the worst pain I have ever been in in my life. I had shingles. 30 years ago, I'm guessing, oh, and horrible. I didn't even know what it was. I had a little I didn't either. And then I started having, it felt like lightning storms inside my chest and uh, got through it. I forget whether I went to the doctor or not, but I remember being in immense pain thinking, what is this, you know, and uh, got through it. And then uh, just a couple, three years ago, I got a little rash on my forehead and, oh, no. and, I, and I felt a pain and I thought it's different, but I've felt this before. Right. So right to the doctors. He said, you have shingles and we need to stop it before it gets to your eye. I've heard <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Let's do that. And uh, so I got the shingles shot, which supposedly is supposed to last you forever. Uh, but I, I got that. The shot was interesting. Shots don't normally bother me, but that really made me sore uh, for a few days. But uh, the shingles, again, is nothing to be messed with. 
and especially if you, if you don't know what's happening to you. And I didn't. And I, yeah. it just popped in this thought bubble popped into my head at 318 and I went shingles. And my immediate argument was, I thought that was eradicated. Well, I was thinking of scurvy. <laughs> so I didn't have <laughs> <Yeah>. scurvy. <laughs> but I hauled my fanny to the, the nearest walk-in clinic. And of course, it was all over my arm. The blisters had popped up by then. And they were, I could feel them growing. They were everywhere. They were on the left side of my back. They were on the left side of my chest. They were on my arm. You know, And I just threw on the biggest, loosest shirt I could find and drove myself to the clinic. And she said, well, what do you think's going on? And I just raised my shirt. She said, oh, shingles. I went, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And off we went. But that's the most, I have never felt that kind of pain. And this was a couple of years ago. And I still have residual pain in my arm that I know is nerve damage from it. Mm. So don't, there's that commercial. On if television. you're listening to us, don't get shingles. Yeah, don't get shingles. I don't know how you don't get shingles, but don't. That commercial on television says if you're over 50, 95 percent of us have the shingles thing in us. I guess it's chicken pox. Uh, yeah. And I had chicken pox. When yeah. I was a kid. yeah. So. So it was uh, it was an attention getter. And uh, I, again, I don't know how to avoid it, but uh, other than get that shot. But the okay. television commercial I love, it says uh, <clears throat> you you say you've had chicken pox, you know, says uh, shingles doesn't care. <laughs> and it repeats that phrase several times over. Shields doesn't care. It doesn't. You yeah. should have seen me trying to lift up a 20-pound turkey with an <laughs> arm that was pretty much useless and a very sore chest. And mm. you can imagine what part of the chest was so sore. It was just, it was interesting. I had my friends going, Denise, you need help? Well, yes, I do. <laughs> Get over <laughs> And lift everything for me. It's, but, you know, I'm so glad that you're over there or getting over COVID. I've been blessed. It's never touched me. But I haven't had a cold or flu in a long, long time. Again, I'm knocking on my head, knocking on wood. Well, I can only guess that somebody somewhere on an airplane, uh, maybe in a restaurant, <clears throat> had it. And uh, I, I came down with it. And Gigi got it a day later, so I'm assuming she got it from me or we got it at the same time in the right. same place. I really don't know. But it's uh, <clears throat> it's an attention getter. It is. And I mean, it, I'm glad that you're feeling better and I'm glad that it wasn't worse for you. So now that we're through complaining about our, our health. Whining. Why? No, no. We're commenting because we don't want people to feel as bad as we have felt over different things. Over the we're we're being helpful, but let's talk about the closers and what is you know. I mean, the it's called the Grand Canyon response, and I read this a couple of times because I thought, do I? And I'll get you to explain it, but do I do this? And I don't think I do. Or if I do, I probably don't do it well. So do you want me to read from the book? Because I know your voice is still. Sure, you know, go ahead. A it's bit. a very short chapter, as you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, we are on one page 35 of the closers part two. And as I mentioned, it's called the Grand Canyon response. And it starts out an old sales pro in North Carolina. And a good friend of many of our staff is known as Mr. Echo. His favorite response to a tough question is what he calls his Grand Canyon response. I wondered where that came from. We have all heard salespeople use this basic technique to one degree or another, but he is the grandmaster of Echo salesmanship. 
And to understand how this echo, how this technique rather got its name, picture your pot prospect standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. He yells, your price is too high. And without fail, the Grand Canyon responds, your price is too high. It's an echo. The prospect yells, your delivery is too slow. And the Grand Canyon responds, your delivery is too slow. And it works every time. What do you mean by that? It works every time. Well, it works every time because the prospect is forced, if you have the courage to be quiet. J. Douglas Edwards taught us when you ask a closing question, shut up. And he used to say the next person who speaks loses. That's a bit harsh, but I understand his point. With the echo concept, uh, they say your price is too high. You simply say my price is too high. Oh, you're turning it into a question. Yeah. Turn a statement into a question and then shut up. They will explain that your price may or may not be too high. Probably not. But he's been to prospect school and he feels you're about to hear. She feels you're about to close the sale. So it's time to start putting up token resistance. Your price is too high. I've got to think about it. Uh, I got to talk to my brother-in-law in Cleveland. Or my um, wife. That's how it, the minute you say it, I need to talk to my wife, just hang up. It's over. <laughs> so uh, anyway, by just repeating it and being quiet, you make them explain the situation, which may be something stupid they just threw out because you're supposed to put up some objection, or it might be a serious uh concern. Your price is too high. There's a couple of ways to go with that. Three, actually. Your price really is too high, in which case you better figure out how to explain it in in, in advance and why they should pay the higher price. Uh, your price is too high. It's out of their budget uh, is one. And you might have to work with them and give them payments or whatever. And the third one is your price is too high, which is <clears throat> uh, Latin for I don't have the money. Right. And that's not an objection. That's a condition. And we can go into a separate thing sometime about uh, sufficiently inspired. Just about anybody can raise just about any amount of money. But for the moment, let's just leave it there. They don't have the money. That's a condition. You should have qualified that in advance had you been given an opportunity to do so. Uh, but nevertheless, there it is in front of you. But at least we've saved 35 minutes of chatting and then throwing up one ping pong ball after another and you batting it like a whack-a-mole game. And you get down. The, the trick is to get down to the real objection, concern, or question. Uh, the most deadly thing in selling, if you learn how to get around it, is I got to think it over. And because uh, there's not a specific objection and there's nothing to uh, combat it with. There is, but strictly speaking, I want to think it over is a killer if you don't know how to overcome that. So by repeating it back as a question instead of a statement, you put the ball back in their court and make them explain it. If it's a stupid position they've taken, which is probably about a 50-50 shot, they will be troubled and embarrassed to try and explain. It's like being caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Uh, 
so that you force them to explain what they mean. And if they don't mean anything, it's pretty easy to work your way around it and go forward. If they really do mean something, I don't have the money. We don't have the money in our budget this quarter or this month or whatever. And those are all doable situations. <clears throat> but I would always, and people say, well, what if you drive them and they say no? I would always rather have a definite no than a wishy-washy maybe or I want to think it over. The maybes and I want to think it over will drive you out of selling. You must have the courage to press forward and get an answer or smoke out the real objection. And the easiest way is what we just discussed, the echo close. Now, the problem with the echo close is most salespeople can't stand silence. So if they repeat it back, my price is too high and just stare at them. The silence will get them and they'll jump in and cut the price or say something inane or whatever versus let it hang. Just sit there and stare. Doug Edwards, when he was teaching, when he asked a closing question, shut up, said that uh, one time he was in a situation, he even gave the company, I think it was Ford Motor Company or something. He said, I ask a closing question. And I shut up and he shut up. And then he said, I'm quoting from memory, but I think this is right. It's in a book I wrote for him called Sales Closing Power. I believe he said, by my watch, there wasn't a sound in that room for 22 minutes. As we waited for him to respond <laughs> to my closing question. And he said at 22 minutes, he spoke and he bought. And uh, if he wasn't already sold on the concept, that that did it. Well, the echo close has the same built-in problem for the salespeople in that it requires you sometimes to sit there quietly for an uncomfortable length of time. It's his or her turn to talk. Let them have their turn. Because the answer will help you. It'll either give you, uh, it, it's in my favorite clothes, uh, which I've talked about in sales infiltration, <clears throat> the last chapter in the closers part two, where I say my favorite clothes boils down to Mr. Prospect, based on what we've discussed, here's what I suggest we do, or based on uh, what you've told me. Here's what I suggest we do. Fair enough. And fair enough is one of those where you sit. Most people respond rather quickly, but if they don't, you've asked a question. Is that fair enough? Sit there and wait for the answer. The answer will probably be a yes if you've given a good sales presentation. Might be a no, in which case you question further and figure out what you've got to overcome. Uh, or it might be a question to, to smoke out their real objection. Well, the echo close has that built in from the beginning. My price is too high. Dead silence. It's their time to explain why your price is too high. And again, they don't have the money. You didn't qualify them properly. Uh, or your price is too high. <laughs> and we've been in those situations. But that goes back to people say, what's well, the first secret of selling? I say, pick a quality product that's competitively priced so you don't spend your days uh, explaining away improper pricing 
um, and then uh, spend your days talking to qualified people. That my closing rate runs about 86%, has for years in a one-on-one -on -one situation, not in front of big crowds, although I've had higher rates there and, and lower rates. But uh, it runs about 86% because I've stacked the deck. I only sell quality products and services that are competitively priced. And uh, I spend my days talking to qualified prospects. That raises the bar considerably. If, if you had cancer, and I, God forbid, and I was selling a cancer cure drug, uh, I've got you. I mean, you you know, you want the cancer cured. You don't want to die. Uh, and I have the cure. Here's the bottle. It's X number of dollars. You've been properly qualified. It's competitively priced. The market usually takes care of that. Rarely do I see something that's totally out of whack with what similar products and services are selling for. So the marketplace, supply and demand usually handles that. All you then have to do is develop a method of presenting it, an effective script that uh, puts your product in the very best light and then have the nerve to ask for, ask for the order. And when you do, shut up, whether it's fair enough or my price is too high or whatever. Uh, but the, all of them zero back down to the courage to do it. I've seen so many salespeople right on the brink of success and lose the sale because they felt the need to fill in the silence by babbling something else that distracts the prospect from the decision they were almost forced to make. Well, and you know what I've noticed, Ben, and I think you and I have talked about this. When you let people talk, when you just sit back and I mute, I use my mute button a lot. I really do. It's one of my favorite things about my computer. When I sit back and I let whoever it is that maybe they want a website, maybe they need me to be a consultant, whatever it is that they're asking me of, and I'll explain what the process is, but I don't overwhelm them because people are not going to remember most of the stuff you said anyway. Right. But when it's time for me to shut up and I hit that mute button, I'm doing it. And maybe I knew this from reading your book or, you know, talking with you all these years. But I have found that when you let people talk, just let them go. It gives them the the space to either explore what they're worried about or concerned about or what they really, really want or what they don't want. But you have to get out of the way. You have to get out of your own way. Yep. There's a few things I like in the world better than the sound of a prospect talking to me because they're usually telling me what they need, how they need it, the way they want to pay for it, et cetera, if I just remember to shut up and let them talk. Right. Uh, and they're not going to do that. They're not going to share all this with you if you're just saying, oh, well, and Mr. So-and-so, and what about this? And then you're just badgering them. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Exactly. And when, when uh, the silence has worked on them and they have some questions, <clears throat> you're winning. The ball is back in your court. And uh, just make sure that every answer you give has a little trial close built in it. Fair enough is a great one. 
you know, the, the price is so-and-so. Well, let me tell you what's different about our price and somebody else's price. And one of the ones I use all the time is what's different is you get me on the back of my uh, business card. You'll notice I have written my personal cell phone. So you don't call customer service and the manufacturer and this and that when you have a problem. I hope you never do. But if you do, you call me and I'll take care of it. So there's one thing that no one who's calling on you can offer, Ben Gay. And uh, I will be here for you. I'll get everything handled, et cetera. And if, and if I can't do it, I'll tell you right up front, you, I'm not going to ever leave you hanging. Every conversation we ever have will be complete, a unit all by itself, had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then we'll go on from there. Right. Well, well, when you get to the end of this chapter, and it's just kind of a recap of what you're talking about, you said those who have been honored to go out on sales calls with Mr. Echo, I love that name, will tell you that it can be an unnerving experience. If you aren't used to his particular approach, you'd feel like saying, but he just said that, or can't you hear him? He said it was price to price. Answer him. Uh, and I can, I can feel our audience going, well, yeah, they're just jumping up and down going, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I can see it. I can hear it. But Mr. Echo would not be deterred. He says that most people don't really mean what they say when they voice objections. And I have found that out many times. I'll catch myself saying, ah, you know, I don't think so. And I don't really mean it. You know, it's just, it's almost expected sometimes, or sometimes I really do mean it. And my voice changes and then they know, but you know, a lot of times Maybe it's a Southern thing, Ben. I don't know. But I really do, and you do as well. We want to hear how we can help people. How we can, can we sell them something? We hope so. But if we can't, maybe we're not the right person. Maybe we have to refer them somewhere else. But we really do exist in our salesmanship, you and me, to be of assistance to other people. And I think that's where a lot of it gets lost. And speaking of being assistant, being of assistance to other people, and you mentioned it a few moments ago, is your website service. <clears throat> uh, as I understand it, you have room for a few new clients. And three. I just want to, I'm only uh, taking three for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, I just want to encourage people, if your website needs doing, built from the ground up, or refreshing, or whatever. There's no one in the business better than Denise Griffiths. And I would suggest you reach out to her and just get the details and let her look at your website and see where you are to start out. I assume they should go to denisegriffiths.com to start. Is that correct? Uh, they can, but really the best place to go is yourofficeontheweb.com. That's my digital agency. Okay. Your office on the web dot com and uh so reach out to denise and find out how to improve your website she is a master at it i've talked to people whose websites she has done i'm probably going to ask her to refresh ours and uh the uh and, and if when and if i do it'll be denise only i wouldn't even think about going to anybody else i've been behind the magic table i've seen how she works i see how she can make guarantees and promises other people can't and that she will stay with you until it's working exactly like you both had hoped. 
So uh, reach out to her and uh, ask her about website design or development or refreshing and uh, send her your website. I, I In my case, or it, I would advise you send that in the very first contact with her. It'll save you both a lot of time when she sees what she's working with. But oh, yeah. uh, she's the best. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Ben. I just finished up the last website that was on my board and I went, huh, well, we're in the last quarter of the year. What can I do? I can do a website a month. I can do one each you know, and get help you get launched for 2024. And honestly, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd in stilettos. You know, I build websites in my sleep. I build them when I'm cooking over the stove. I can see it in my head. It's, I don't even, but I can't, don't ask me about algebra. I almost failed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, what, what did you tell me earlier that at the year, year five, when you were in the fifth grade, that's when you found out that you were what now? I became a, what was called, a, I was a straight A student or whatever you get in those early grades and everybody loved me. And uh, my uh, parents were frequently told, we wish we could raise our son, be like yours. And then we got in the fifth grade, Fannie Mae Parks, who was later, before the year was over, taken away by uh, trained medical people <laughs> to take oh. her to a facility. She had a breakdown. And part of that breakdown was due to trying to teach me and four or five other Hellraisers uh, basic algebra. So I went from being this model kid to a, what was called on a report card, a disciplinary problem because of algebra. It wasn't algebra that made me uh, go nuts. It was my frustration with my inability to learn algebra. Of all the things I took in school, there were two things that I despised, never saw any use for, <clears throat> and uh, fought tooth and nail. They were algebra and Latin. Oh, listen, I had a 4.0 until I hit algebra, and I couldn't grasp it. You know, I have a scientific brain, apparently. Who knew? I have a computer science degree. Again, who knew? I never saw that coming. Algebra just was not going to play nice with my brain. Mm-hmm. And I remember in I remember the instructor saying, Denise, you're one of the brightest people in here. Why don't you understand this? I slammed my book on the table and I stood up. I said, because it's a bunch of made up baloney that some guy who couldn't get laid made up because he couldn't get it. I got sent to the principal's office. No, I sure did. And, and, Three other people went with me. And that's why I love your story, because three other people were having the same issues. It wasn't that he wasn't a bad instructor. We just didn't see the need for it. We didn't want to do it. We're all adults. It's like, we don't need this stuff. I went back to college late. And, you know, these other people stood up and said, where she's going, we're going. And they put us for this particular class. They put us in a boiler room pretty much and had another instructor come in and try to teach us, you know, the why our our views were wrong i think they passed me i was a trouble i mean they just said don't bring her back pass her give her whatever it takes to get her out don't bring her back here because i don't have any filters that's how i got uh, to the sixth grade the fifth grade was tired of seeing me yeah exactly (laughs) and it pretty much like it went like that from then on but algebra literally was my downfall. Everything oh. was going fine. And all of a sudden they were speaking in a foreign tongue. 
and uh, didn't do a good job of explaining why I might need that. Later on, one of my kids was told, who said to a teacher, well, I have a calculator. She said, well, you won't always have a calculator in your pocket. Well, little did she know. I know. That he would have. <laughs> and I've never used it. That's oh, you're gonna need it. You're gonna need it for coding. You're going to need it for that. No, I won't. And I was able to take every argument and say, no, prove it to me. They were so happy to see me go. I mean, this poor guy, <laughs> he would see me in the hallways, he would just kind of go and go in another direction. <laughs> but yeah, I was a disciplinary problem as well, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> but but you know, the thing is, once we we learn where we're going, going back to web development. I do love building those things. So if anybody needs one between now and the end of the year and you're made, you know, you want to do something new or, you know, clean up your old one, call me 888-719-6711. It's toll free. I'll respond to you right away. So Ben, let's go back to the closers because I've had these books uh, in my entrepreneurial library for years. You sent them to me a number of years ago. And one of them, the closers part two, is getting fairly dog-eared, but that's okay. Whenever I, I think I was telling you this before, I can take it, take it off the shelf. I don't even stand it up anymore, lay it down on its back because I'm afraid it'll just, you know, like an old fan where it just kind of opens up by itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's there. And I'll just take it and I'll plunk it down on my desk and it opens up to pretty much where I want it to open up. It's like it knows. It's scary. But I've been in this book so, so, so many times. But tell us about the closers. Why? I mean, this book, these are these are older books. You've been doing this for a long, long time. But there's nothing in here that doesn't pertain probably even more importantly to now than it did when you wrote them. Well, selling people always tell me, you know, that's old school selling or not not with the closers necessarily, but I hear that term tossed around a lot, which is code for, I don't want to learn how to sell. So I'll say everything I hear is old school selling. Selling hasn't changed since the days of the the, the uh, sailboats with silk from India on them. It hasn't changed since the Yankee peddler was riding around New England on horseback or muleback with his or her samples, his, I guess, in those days. <clears throat> what people want to know clearly and concisely it's what's in it for me and should I take action now so I've been offered the opportunity to rewrite the closers several times and I've always turned it down other than the original rewriting uh, it was in horrible form when I first found what we now call the closers part one but it was I knew I had found the uh the secret code to explaining it to other people. I, I I took off in selling like a duck to water and rather quickly was winning contests and making a lot of money and doing well. I was raised in the sales family. To me, that was just natural. I, I, I'm not sure anyone ever asked me, but if they had, when you grow up, what are you going to be? I probably would have said a salesperson like my father and my aunts and my uncles and everybody else I knew. So uh, it, it was natural, but I had a difficult time explaining to other people what I was doing. Uh, the greatest salesman I ever worked with personally was Jimmy Rucker. He was my running buddy in high school and what little college I went to. 
and uh, as good, if not better, a closer than I was. He was my first business partner. He was just incredible. But he was the world's worst sales trainer, especially in the early days. He got better later. But people say, Jimmy, how do you do it? What do you do? He said, well, just watch me and do what I do. Well, that's like a great jockey saying, well, just watch the way I ride horses <laughs> and do that. Easier said than done. So one day I was sitting in my office and uh, a guy knocked on the door and I, I buzzed him in and it turned out he was the heating cooling guy. And I was sitting there rewriting the closers part one and writing the closers part two and uh, on legal pads. And he said, I'm here to check your filtration system. And I said, what? He said, I'm here to check your filtration system. I said, you're going to have to come back another day. I'm really sorry, but you've just given me a great idea. And I walked into the door, locked it behind him, sat down and wrote, uh, clarified what was in part one and wrote the last chapter of Closers Part Two, Sales Infiltration. He had just in one word given me the secret that Zig Ziglar and Ogmandino and Earl Nightingale and Dr. Hill, all the greats that I worked with over the years or worked for me, and Jimmy Rucker had been using. They infiltrate the defenses of the other person, of the prospect. They get inside the family. They become part of the company they're selling. You start hearing we, 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 instead of you and me and so on. The way I picture it in my mind is in most selling situations, there's team A, let's call that the salesperson, and team B, the defensive team, the team who's been trained to resist team A. Before I even get started, <clears throat> I, my first sale is making sure they understand that there's no A and B anymore. There's now a team C, a blend of A and B designed with a goal of solving a mutually agreed upon problem. They have the power of the pocketbook. I have the power of knowledge. As I tell prospects frequently, you're probably a whole lot smarter than I am in a whole lot of areas. But in this one little area, the product or service we're talking about, I'm the resident expert. And uh, so together, I can give you the information we need to make a great decision for the team, which leads up to the, the close I referred to earlier. Based on what we've discussed, Mr. Prospect, here's what I suggest we do. Fair enough. And that close has closed more sales for me and millions of other people around the world than I think any other close on earth. <clears throat> there are other famous clothes, you know, the alternate choice clothes and the, this close and the, that close. But ba basically it comes down to you either have the courage to ask for the order or not. Uh, I've done work while tell, I'll use their name, Kirby vacuum cleaner. They have a saying, uh, they used to have one. I don't I don't think they use it anymore, but no sale is complete until you have payment in your hand or the police have been called. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I'm heard a, you say that before and I crack up every single yeah, time. Well, I'm a southern gentleman, Denise. 
if you ask me to get out of your house or office, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So my goal has always been for you not to ask me <laughs> to get out of your home or office. And don't call the police. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. And the way I do that is I sell quality products that are competitively priced, spend my time talking to qualified people. And I have a firm understanding. I coined a phrase many years ago, and I've since added a little bit to it five or six years ago. It is that people buy from people they know, like, trust, dot, 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 and with whom they feel safe. So that's the focus of any sale that I attempt to make. First, I got the right product and the right service at the right price. <clears throat> and I sell me, Bengay Third, long before I sell the product. So that when I put my stamp of approval on it, it's not unlike the good housekeeping seal of approval. You don't, Mr. Prospect, you don't have to understand all the stuff I know about this, but you do need to understand that I endorse it, recommend it, stand by it, and personally guarantee it. And that just knocks down so many, and not to the prospect, but between you and me and our listeners, and I've learned the ability to endure silence. I don't think I've ever sat in anybody's office for 22 minutes, as J. Douglas Edwards claimed to have. But I've sat for long, what seemed like 22 minutes, seemed like 22 hours sometimes. There's a question in the air. I've asked you. It's your turn to answer. Right. And if you That's think, difficult. It is. And if you think I'm feeling pressure as the salesperson, imagine the person who knows it's their turn to talk and minutes have gone by. Their pressure is far worse than ours. But you can endure all that if you're selling quality products and services and uh, understand that you're working for the customer's good. In other words, you will be better off if all you right. say yes to my offer. Exactly. And when you say, you know, the pressure to me, and I'm reading that or I'm going to explain it a little bit differently, because I do this. I've always done it instinctively, I guess. But, you know, they'll ask me a question. They'll ask me, what the, you know, what's the process? Is it WordPress? Is the, And we get to kind of the nuts and bolts of it. And I'm often, because I'm consulting at that point, I'm not selling anything yet, but I am consulting. And I find that if you just kind of like your your guy did with the he was there to change the the filtration system you have to let them work it through in their own brain people don't know what it is that they're objecting to until they start hearing themselves talk right they really don't and if you can say well yeah i understand that or i'm you know i'm not sure about that let me come let, let's get back with you on that although i hate to do that i'm like you i want to close it Right then, right there, because if I can help you, I can help you, and I can help you Tuesday. But if I know I can't help you, I'm not going to prolong it and say, listen, I'm not the right agency for you, but I know who might be, and I'll make the introductions, but let's not spend a whole lot more. And I won't say it, but I'm mm -hmm. not going to waste your time or mine if I'm not the right fit. I mean, there's there's just no point. But and it's, it's better for them. If they can find an agency who will and can do the things that they want for the price that they want or for work that I'm not willing to take on. And that happens. You know, web development's a tricky thing. We don't just go, oh, here you go. 
there's a lot of work that goes into yeah. those things. A lot of thought, you know, there's big processes that go on. Uh, and I'll tell people the magic is happening behind the scenes. You don't even know what's going on back there. But if I will ask a question and just sit back and let them work it out, you would be, well, you wouldn't be, but our audience might be going, well, that was interesting. I had no idea this was an objection or this was something I ought to maybe upskill myself to learn how to do. I mean, you can learn so much by just shutting up and listening to your prospects. And in the example you gave, Denise, where you turned away business, oh, yeah. <clears throat> sometimes that's the biggest sale of all. You've just become an honest, recognized expert in their mind. You've become the go-to person. Uh, I get first look at lots of situations and deals that I wouldn't get, except I'm known to hundreds, if not thousands of clients of, let's ask Ben Gay, or I know who I can ask, or I know who knows, or will tell me who does know. And so I probably, I'm making up numbers because I've never kept track of it, but probably a third, a half of all the calls I get are not things I'm going to do that I'm interested in doing or even that I'm qualified to do. But they run them by me to see if I know somebody I would recommend. And uh, I have a tight, you're one, you're on that list. If somebody wants to know, you know, I've got to build a website, I got to get mine in better shape, et cetera. Uh, who do I call or where do I go? And you're the answer to that. <clears throat> so being in the catbird, what I call the catbird seat, gives you a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to see things you wouldn't otherwise see. And it also, you have to do it for a while before this works. But I will tell you one of the advantages of having been in the business a long time, people say, well, how do you get your prospects? <clears throat> for mentoring or whatever. And I say, I answer the phone yeah, and I respond to emails. Well, I mean, in advertising, I haven't run a paid ad for any of my products or services or me in 30 years. I got my, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing at the time, but I got myself positioned as a trusted expert, the go-to guy. And that's enough. I don't have time to do any more business then that generates. And I love what you just said about first look. I had, and this is completely off topic, maybe not. I had a, a, a call last night from Mexico and I didn't recognize the number and I didn't recognize the, it wasn't one plus. And I went, what the heck? So I didn't answer it. I was busy doing something. And then I got um, a message and I message and said, Denise, this is, and I won't mention the name because he's mm -hmm. quite famous. He said, can I talk to you? Do you have time to talk tonight? And I said, sure. So he called me and we were talking. This is a man who has, over time, brought us music on our computers, on our, he really crafted how we listen to music these days. And he said, listen, I'm putting together this big thing for college and, and um, you know, they wanted me to come speak to this very high level group, C-suite group in a college setting in California. Can Would you mind looking at my presentation? I was honored. Now, is this anything I can help him with at all? No. 
But I started looking at that presentation last night and I was fascinated. Some of it will stick with me enough to make, maybe I can make something out of this. You know, just the idea is that first look, there's a, you know, that infiltration, you never know when an idea is going to just be given to you. So if you're in sales and Ben and I are, listen and take notes. You don't know what word or what phrase is going to have people trusting you to go, hey, Ben, you know, do you know who can help me with this? Or, hey, Denise, do you mind looking at at my presentation? I mean, I was shocked. I said, sure. And then I walked around and went, I'll be darned. So, and I was, I'm delighted <laughs> to do so. So you just never know what's going to come your way if you are honest. You give, you know, everything you do is honest and you're helpful and you have assistance and you're not trying to just scoop up the cash wherever you can. Absolutely. They really appreciate that. And word spreads and you never know when I get that call from time to time. I was taught, I always kid about this. For some reason, Dallas comes to my mind, but I literally had a person call me. In fact, I've got to return this phone call. Who said, you may, I'm paraphrasing, but it's very similar to what I've kidded about for years. You may not remember me, but 25 years ago in Dallas, you said, or you promised, or whatever, I'm going 25 years ago? God, you know, I don't, I don't remember being in Dallas hundreds of times, but I don't remember that event or whatever. And then I usually kid with them. I say, oh, yeah, fourth row, left-hand side, you have a yellow shirt. And <laughs> usually they'll they'll laugh back. But occasionally they'll say, God, what a memory. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. You're planting seeds, positive or negative, all the time. We do. And, and I make yourself available. My uh, 800 number that I have on my business card, I have two, two different starting points for two different businesses. But the basic phone number, uh, 530-295-93, excuse me, I'm reading off the wrong line, uh, 530-622-7777 was a number I acquired when I started the National Communication Center in 1976. And the 800 number we used back then for that answering service was 824-7888. And that too is now the same years, was that 24, 34, 44? Both of them are almost 50 years old. They haven't changed. So if I handed you my business card 50 years ago, the numbers still work. I didn't know that. Yep. I mean, so, I know when you, you opened up that, that center, we've talked about that, but I didn't realize that you'd kept those same two phone numbers. I yep. think you just, we need to, to make you a world record. And occasionally we get calls to, you know, most of the companies have moved on, gone out of business, changed their names or what have you. But we had 1,500 corporate clients. So when the business, when I left the business and I grabbed the phone numbers, <clears throat> I used to get a lot of calls that I there wasn't much I could do with. But uh, I want to make sure my calls got through to me. Right. This morning, uh, before I was out of bed, my cell phone rang, and it was a guy who wanted to buy the closers, and he asked for an operator number that I didn't recognize. He said, "Well, I got it out of the back of this book," and then I realized. He had a 40-year-old copy of one of the closer's editions 
and he flipped to the back and dialed the only phone number he could find, which was 800-824-7888. Haven't had it in a commercial basis in almost 50 years. And I answered the phone. So uh, when, you know, get known and then don't be swapping your emails and phone numbers. For some reason, you may need new ones. Fine. Keep the old one. Be easy to reach. Exactly. And you touched on something and we're going to run out of, well, we've got about five or six more minutes. You touched on something that I think was so important. I wanted to go back to it. But when you're talking with people and you really, they need to understand how you are there to help them. And, you know, and I don't want to keep you know saying, oh, you know, just sit down and shut up, sit down and shut up. But we do need to sit back and listen. And now I just talked myself out of what I was going to say. Bad, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant. I was, <laughs> I had something really thoughtful to That's say. That's part of the Southern disease that you and I both share. <laughs> my, my it was sister, important, I promise. My sister who's never been out of the South except on a few trips. I mean, she's always lived in the deep South. She'll uh, start telling a story, and then I can tell that reminded her of something, and she'll start telling that one. And then uh, at some point, there's a pause, and she says, where was I going with this? And I, said, <laughs> I can't help you, honey. <laughs> well, so here I was helping. I was hoping you read my mind, and you could pull it out of there, but it'll come back. It's it's gone now that I've tried to you know force it. It's like no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out in the backyard. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> but listen, before we and it was so important too. I can feel it itching in the back of my head. Anyway, um, what I wanted to ask you too, and it was something about this darn book. Now it's gonna bug me. You can tell. Now I'm gonna be irritated all day long. Okay, so. Where, hang on a second, what I wanted to ask you is about your mentoring program, because we have talked about that a number of times. It's something that you and Dr. Napoleon Hill were going to do, you know, back in the day before he up and died on you. And that's your phrase, not mine. So I'm not <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> but, but now, and you know, you didn't want to do it. I don't know if it, you thought it was disrespectful or if it just wasn't the time but you're back to mentoring and consulting full time. So let's talk about that a bit. Where can people find you? Well, uh, call me uh, 530-622-7777. Probably more effective is send me an email at B as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, three, the number three, BFG3 at Direct Con, short for Direct Connect, D I R E C T C O N dot net. <clears throat> and just put something in there that refers to mentoring. Mentoring dynamics is what we call it. But what I do is I do for a limited group of people, 3035 seems to work best at any given time. What Dr. Hill did for me. Uh, many years ago when he was hired to be my mentor, my friend, and my coach. I was sort of like Rodney Dangerfield, the old comedian. They, he said he was so ugly as a kid, the family had to tie a pork chop around his neck so the family dog would play with him. Well, I was so inept that William Penn Patrick hired Dr. Hill to be my older, wiser friend and confidant. 
And he served that purpose for the last two and a half years of his life. I now do that for other people. I've been down the road. I've had experiences most people only have in dreams and nightmares. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been down the road and the old Chinese saying, if you want to know what's farther down the road you're traveling, talk to someone who's coming back up the road again. And uh, that's sort of what Dr. Hill did for me and what I do for other people. There are things that I can hear and instead of, to them, it's fresh and new and right or wrong doesn't make any difference, but it's fresh and new because it's the first time they've ever thought of it. I haven't heard a story in a long time that I hadn't heard hundreds of times before. Names, dates, and places. And I know why it'll work, why it won't work, why it didn't work in this situation and did in this situation and so on. And I'm unemotionally involved. You ask me a question, I can give you an answer. Whether you take it or not is none of my concern. I'm not responsible for your financial success or failure. I am responsible for telling you what hundreds, if not thousands of years have proven because I've become a student of the human development, human potential. We started the modern human, human potential movement with a company called Leadership Dynamics in the late 60s, Leaders Dynamics Institute, and all the companies you've heard of, LifeSpring, SciWorld, et cetera, directly or indirectly are spinoffs of Mind Dynamics. So I've, I've heard things that would make your hair turn white uh, from people who've experienced things you and I have never dreamed of. The, the uh, descendant and heir to one of the great fortunes in America, I won't mention it because it's very private, but the, the gentleman who inherited all of that, whose name every listener knows and why they know it, was chained in the basement of the family mansion to a post for the first 11 years of his life. And uh, he shared that experience for the first time in his life in a class. And we spent an entire day questioning and, and trying to understand what he went through. More importantly, how he survived the experience and went on, went on to become successful in his own right. So I've got that type of story. I've sat in Charlie Manson's cell for nine hours. I've coached the astronauts of Apollo 15, 16, and 17 uh, and the ground crews. So I, I've had some experiences that if I pass them on to you, will cut off 15, 20, 25 years of learning from your learning curve. Exactly. And that's my mentoring dynamics program. So reach yeah. out to me if you're interested. There's no cost or obligation. There's cost if you go forward, but there's no cost or obligation to ask. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, I knew about Charlie Manson. You're going to have to tell me what the who that person was. Now I need to know. But what I started to, I, I recovered my, I had a recovery. I remember what I was going to say. But you had mentioned in the very beginning, you know, people say, well, this is old-fashioned selling. It's not. Listen, I don't think as human beings we have changed all that much. We want to trust. We want to be trusted. We want to be treated fairly. Is you know, Has the Internet changed how we present a lot of this stuff? Oh, you bet. 
listen, as a nerd, uh, I mean, I'm a nerd in stilettos. I am always studying. I'm always upskilling. I'm always learning new ways. But the truth of it is, you if your core values are not there, you can clean it up with chat GPT and make it sound pretty. It's still not going to sell. It just so we can talk about that the next time. But anyway, I wanted to, to and thank you, Ben, for mentioning my web development. I've got room for three. I've decided I'll do one a month or three in three months, whatever it takes, and help three people start 2024 off with a big bang. Because listen, we're at the end of the year. Can you believe it's October? I'm shocked. It's it's <laughs> October. I really am. But before we say goodbye. Ben has told you where to find him. You can find me toll-free, 888-719-6711. Both of us are all over LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and, and other platforms. And you can find my email address is support at yourofficeontheweb.com. So just get in touch with me. And honestly, if I can't help you, I will point you to somebody who probably can. So thank you, Ben. Let's. We're going to... What do you want to talk about next week? Well, figuring you might ask that. <laughs> I was flipping through the closers part two moments ago. And I'd like to do, it starts on page 89, Get Stupid. Well, I can do that. Friend, <laughs> a friend of mine was with me when I was writing that. His name is Merle Fraser. Uh, <clears throat> and I always write the title first and the last word in a book, a chapter, whatever the last sentence first mm -hmm. when he saw that I had written get stupid uh, to start with. He said, Oh, this is going to be an easy one for you. Oh. <laughs> I, said, I said, thank you, Merle. I appreciate that. <laughs> if you didn't have friends, you wouldn't have anybody. <laughs> right. At all. So well, we page, are... page 89, 89. Get stupid. on part two. All right. Got it. So listen, everybody, we will be back next week and thank you for listening to us. If you have any questions, We've given you our phone numbers and our, well, our, you can find us seriously. You can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting your partner in success radio. And we love to answer questions. If you've got questions about sales or marketing or, I don't know, Ben Gay, he's got stories. Ask us questions and we will see you next week. Ben, thank you. And I'm so glad you're feeling better. Thank you, Denise. And pardon my <clears throat> what I consider mild coughing compared to what I've been doing for the last two weeks. I appreciate your patience. Well, I was worried about you. Tell Gigi hi for me. I shall. Have a wonderful day. You too. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.